Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. Hello. This is always my cue to welcome you a hundred times for listening here on Talk Cosmos. Tonight is September 22nd. No, it's not. That's what we're leading up to. Tonight is September 19th, 2020. And we have a repeat on Thursday in the morning, live at 6 in the morning on the 29th. That will only continue until about the middle of October because we're listening also to the podcast. You can go to Podcast One, you, and right now you are listening live to 1150 KKNW, and I'm so glad. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, Talk Cosmos host and astrologer, and we're finishing up the Virgo archetype, and I am now adding a new theme to our Virgo archetype because I listen to Gemini Brett, a marvelous genius astrologer which there are many of and he is certainly one and he's brought to my attention that the moon it reflects the sun's light right well the moon is reflecting the virgo light but it happens to be transiting in the sign of sagittarius today so we are in a virgo sagittarius energy now that is quite mutable and we will focus on that tonight as a conversation, because the focus of this conversation is going to be an expansive one. It will be about the energies of Mercury and Jupiter and reasons for many. Now, we're going to thread this in with the Virgo. Virgo is one of contemplation for perfecting, fixing, seeing how we can get things in good repair. It, that's just a, one way of expressing that energy. So in other words, we're introspecting in order to complete ourselves. You know, the sixth house of Virgo is the last house before the horoscope goes to the upper hemisphere of the horoscope where we meet partners and self and others and then social conditions and cultural and transpersonal of deep purpose. So this is a very powerful time to really contemplate and there'll be energy significant for this moment as always in the kaleidoscope of the horse of the uh, cycles of astrology that give an impression why or how or what we might be focusing on. And my guest tonight and I will be inter uh, concluding things of trying to expand that nature. Because we could say that between these two energies, just of Mercury and Jupiter, that they're clarifying messages for this self completion. And it's adjustable. They both rule very flexible, mutable. It's mutable signs. There's three kinds of energy, mutable, then fixed, and then it goes 
Well, it goes, whichever way it goes, it goes from cardinal action to fixed to mutable. It changes back to cardinal. So we're having two energetic times now. Well, I won't even go there because actually all three of those are evident. Tonight also is focusing in some kind of preparation for the equinox on September 22nd. We just had a new moon a few days ago on the 17th. These subjects will come back up again. And so we're balanced here, focused as we prepare to go forward. And I'm so delighted that Wendy Wyrot, the angelic astrologer, Wendy Wyrot, who also works with five element Chinese face reading of deep contemplation. I know personally, Wendy studies this and understands it. And it's really also a powerful study. And Angelic Wendy Wyrot also is the feng shui practitioner. All of these associated energetic arts. She teaches, she consults. And if you want to contact her, it's at her last name, Wyrot, which I will spell dot com, W-Y-W-R-O-T. And if all else fails, just go to Talk Cosmos website. There I have all the guests, Wendy's. Contact is immediately there, and you can see the schedule and some other goodies. And we just welcome you listening. And Wendy, hello. Such a great time. (laughs) Hello, Sue. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you've gone down to Palm Springs now in the hot territory of the world. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Beautiful palm trees and mountains all around us. It's just gorgeous. And hot. (laughs) Yes, and hot. Those, those, uh, uh, they need the hot weather. That's so true. Mm-hmm. Well, I know we've chatted a bit about looking at the amazing chart that is on hand because the sun at 25 degrees, or right now, I think it's actually 28 degrees. Uh, let me just... Uh, Virgo. A Virgo, yes, is, is actually... Um, squaring as we call in astrology that means a 90 degree angle where it teeter-totters i often think between two opposing energies it happens to be the nodes the lunar nodes one in gemini where we're evolutionary astrology says that's what we're incorporating with our base uh psychology you could say at the moment which is in the sagittarius uh, realm of thinking so that might be uh, but interesting but the there's some real dynamics here with this this whole energy and then the nodes themselves are squaring i mean the rulers which happen to be mercury which rules both gemini and virgo and then of course jupiter which rules uh Sagittarius, or the guiding masters. And I think uh, Caroline Casey, the wonderful astrologer, calls it that way. Oh, I love that. Yes. And I've heard Ann Ortley call them, they're the bosses. They're the ones that they answer to, which is sort of a fun way of thinking of it. Yes, 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 indeed. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, I think understanding this because 
in the conversation, we're looking at what are these energies? And we, you know, I brought up the analytical emphasis of the Virgo, you know, and it's all about mental because of analytical, but in a practical way, because it's Mercury that rules both of these is, is a air sign. It's, you know, it's a thinker. And then, um, Leap in if you want. I know I, we're not looking at each other, so it's just fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Don't wait for me forever. Just jump in, Wendy. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, because what I'm saying is, is that we have this thinking. It's it's a little hard to juggle the the the. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. What, I know something's on your mind. Go ahead. Well, I, I like as you and I talked about Sue. It's a really potent time because the sun in Virgo is squaring the nodes, the destiny points. And um, so the, the north the north node is what we're growing towards and that's in Gemini. And Mercury is the boss or ruler or, you know, guiding light of Gemini and Virgo. And then we have um, the sun squaring also the south node because the nodes are always opposite one another. And the south node represents a, a point of comfort, a place where we have skills and perhaps are needing to evolve to incorporate more of the North Node. So the South Node's in Sagittarius and that's ruled by Jupiter, which is right now in Capricorn. And so the rulers or the bosses, as you might want to say, are uh, Jupiter and Mercury are squaring one another and squares are a dynamic energy. They are an energy that encourage people to take action. And I think that this is a wonderful time for all of us to take action about our beliefs, to take action about, you know, in whatever way that's right for us, to take action to um, help humanity or to help the planet. It's a time of action. So it's action. a really potent, exciting time. Well, that's a perfect uh, point to bring up because also included with that square that we're talking about is really a T-square as we call it because Mars is across opposing Mercury and it is so in other words it's in this big energetic not not a triangle but a T-square you know there's a line and then perpendicular and all that Capricorn, whether it's Jupiter and Saturn, the ruler of Capricorn, and Pluto, transformational. So we have the expansive belief systems of Jupiter, the structure and authority. I mean, I'm just giving little snippets here of some identification of Saturn. And then transformational, power, hungry, hunger for new life. Pluto that says, purge this, toss that, outdated, not working. You know, it's like a really heavy mix. So action mm -hmm. with Mars in its own sign that's retrograde right now. Yes, it's really double emphasized. You're so beautiful point. Action, take action. But it's retrograde. So really, we're all sometimes a bit thwarted. And with all that flexibility, the fact that the nodes and the sun are in mutable signs, it's not always one way is a highway. It seems like there's a lot of detours. <laughs> You're so right. And, you know, uh, Pluto and Saturn are retrograde as well as Chiron, the healing planet, and Mars. 
So, and Mars is, and Uranus, change and, and wishing for authenticity, also retrograde. So, for anyone out there that's feeling really frustrated because they feel like they just can't get started or that there's holdups, you know, just trust the cosmic tides that are happening right now. I know it's difficult. I'm going through it too. We all yeah. are. <laughs> we all are. So, your feelings, are. Of, your feelings of frustration are valid and... We want to emphasize that this is a time of reevaluating, you know, looking at how do you want the structures of your life to be? How do you want the structures of your government to be? How do you want, and it's a time of reevaluating our own action. How do we want to go about getting the things that we want, you know, reevaluate our, our past actions and think about how would we like to behave and act in the future to go after our goals. Oh, Wendy, that co that dovetails very beautifully two points. One is that Virgo, which we're still in this energy as we're, because any moment can be so potent. You know, it's like, oh, yes, of course, it is on the equinox, which is the 22nd, shifting to the Libra of partnerships and uh, areas. But right now, it's still here. We can make some aha moments. And it's that daily life. That sixth house is so much which is naturally ruled by Virgo, but the Virgonian emphasis when you say about how do we want to structure our life? What are the daily things and our body? Like what's our health? How are we, how are these ways of refocusing, you know, because it is all that Capricorn restructure part, but put on a daily business for our health, for our bodies, all of that. And the other thing that I was thinking is identity because like because it's mars in aries along with it you brought up again in the chart chiron is in a eight-year cycle in aries it's been there for about two years so it has about six more to go we're still a long ways and it re really fine and chiron in aries well it's identity it's the wound of identity is my identity is it allowable can it work and of course one can say quickly of course you can have your identity but yet it seems like with the compromise of of, of the needs of life sometimes or if we don't listen to our own drum drummer that our focus our inner self that we could give our our power away give away our 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 life you know you know anyway we we need we can wonder if our identity can make it but air mars and aries this whole action plan that you know with the squares that you've brought up that one action and mars and aries is all that primal first fire sign of breaking away separating and for why all of this frustration is because we're really forging new identities I love hearing that and I agree so much. And you know, um, our parents did the best they could and sometimes we fit in with our family and sometimes we didn't. And some, some of us fit in with society and some of us don't. And you know, I think many of us received messages whether it was from teachers or whoever that we weren't okay to be ourselves, right? You know, to tone it down or whatever messages we received. And so, you're right that having Chiron and Mars retrograde in Aries, the sign of identity, 
um, is a beautiful time for all of us to to validate ourselves, to tune into our heart and and our gut and find what are our inner needs that are make that are right for us at this time. You know, how do we want our life to be, and how do we want to present ourselves more authentically? Yeah. You say, I just love the, the, the emotion that you speak with. It's so nice. Because I'm working on it too. <laughs> Aren't we all? Oh boy, yes. it's just layers and layers and new insights. You know, we were looking at this chart and we were remembering the asteroids. We always like to include asteroids and we will get to the mythology because every time I want to start with the mythology, but Vesta is one of the um, the goddesses of the hearse and you had noticed that she is conjunct venus right now i'm looking because i was actually looking at juno but but that energy also is you were bringing up that it's a daily practice it's again that double signature of of loving of listening to what we love our values you know like you say, this messages, past messages, when I think of that, I think, well, that signifies the conditioning of Saturn that we're trying to, with uh, Pluto, break away from, or not break away from, but to compost, right? Get rid yeah. of, break out of the skin like the snake of what- Transform, no yes. Thank you. And and so there is that 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 portion of it and also uh, what our values are, what we really love to listen. To. Oh, that's right. I was thinking of the Gemini messages, right? You know, the messages are not always verbal. They're kind of like in our memories, or they can be messages through action. There's many ways to get messages. You are so right. And they talk about body language. And I don't know the exact number, but I, I think I've read that 82% or 87% of communication is without words. So just like you said, uh, messages can be all kinds of messages, not necessarily verbal. Mm -hmm. And I've been reading this beautiful book, by new book by Eric Roth. He's a shamanic astrologer somewhere um, in Oregon. And it's called Sacred Hearth Within, Vesta in Astrology. And Vesta is the goddess of the sacred hearth, the fire of home, and the sacred fire of the community. And so where you have Vesta in your personal natal chart is a place that shows what is what part of your life is especially sacred to you. And having Vesta conjunct Venus at this time means we can, we can see... What part of our values do we want to make sacred? And how do we want to find new ways to make our relationships sacred, especially our love relationships? Um, how can you help your relationship to be more sacred to you? Or how can you view your relationship as a sacred part of your life? And they're in the sign of Leo. And Vesta is already the goddess of fire, the goddess of the sacred fire within. And even though these words are not etymol etymologically connected, <laughs> I love to point out that um, the hearth fire was the center of the home for thousands of years. And our heart is the organ at the center of our torso. And in classical Chinese medicine and traditional Chinese medicine, the heart is the organ 
associated with fire element and with joy and spirit and what we consider sacred. So isn't it beautiful how these things, the word heart and the word hearth are so close together and they both relate to fire it and is, the sacred and spirit. Yes. Well, it is incredible. In fact, you know, when you say that, I think to myself, breath is very close to hearth. Like if you take the R and put it out in front and just kind of loop that H, you have breath. Because I was thinking of the circulation where blood, you know, circulates through the heart and it, it's the yes. life force. And then we have breath, which is the first that we have, you know, which is air sign. Of course, Gemini is an air sign and Libra coming up. There's the four air signs. Ah. Yeah, and it's the last that we do. And it's also so many cultures look at it as a sacred a spirit. You know, it's akin to spirit. Like in Hawaii, it's H-A-W-A-I-I. And one, it means um, breath and eternal and spirit. That's so beautifully said and really makes my heart happy. <laughs> and I'm And I'm thinking about how you know, the heart and the lungs are so intertwined. It's called the cardiopulmonary system, right? And these days, there's such a focus on breathing and on our lungs because um, with the Black Lives Matter and the concerns, you know, the terrible, terrible tragedy that happened and the the terms, the, the words, I can't breathe that, that George Floyd, yes. you know, spoke and the breathing issues with the smoke in the air yes. and the, the breathing issues with um we're you know we're almost afraid to breathe wearing these masks with coronavirus we're almost afraid that we're gonna yes breathe, uh, breathe in and yet um and yet the lungs in chinese medicine are associated with the immune system so if we can do some breath um, exercises, whether it's pranayama or some other type of strengthening the lungs exercise, we can release the lung, the, the grief out of the lungs because that's where it um, can build up if you don't deal with your grief in Chinese medicine. So, oh, of course. Yes. Yeah, so if we do these bre deep breathing exercises, and we can get the, our lungs flowing and functioning better, it will dramatically improve our immune system and our happiness. There is a machine. I know this. I had a neighbor, and then it came evident to other sources, reminded me. But you breathe into it, and it can increase your lungs. Like certain, it's just a physical thing. I don't like an know exercise it, machine? Yeah, some kind of thing. Yeah. It's just a plastic gizmo, but you you have to, you know, breathe in and breathe out. But it's a, it's like a doing exercises, like pump, you know, yeah. arm lifts or something. Yeah, for the lungs, because a lot of us don't. Well, unless one's had like music lessons, singing, where you learn to sing from the diaphragm, people mm -hmm. breathe often shallowly. And it's such a sensitive issue. People feel like, I know how to breathe. It's like, my God, I know how to walk too. But, uh -huh. you know, and yes, we do to a certain extent, but not that truly uh, um, somehow we, well, when people get scared, the fight, flight, they mm -hmm. hold their breath. And it's 
true. For too and long, a person just holds their breath and without really deeply. And sometimes it's, you know, breathing. And I was interrupted myself to say, and sometimes breathing deeply is noisy. So people don't want to breathe deeply, right? They go, oh. <laughs> so there's that. But if we could laugh more, of course, that would improve the la- the breathing, right? Oh, my gosh. Laughter is an amazing form of therapy. And I'm actually a certified laugh leader. And how fun that you brought that up, because if you can laugh at home and ho, 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 and really have that good, the good belly laugh is so good for your health. And that's another way to build immunity. So if you can watch funny shows or funny movies or tell jokes to each other or, you know, play games with each other, laugh about the, the, the games. That well, is for so instance, for you. Do you know, as children, we would lay in a circle, like we had tons of little kids and they'd lay in a circle or just a few. I think at a brownie camp, we did this once or something, but uh-huh. I don't remember. But you put your head on somebody's stomach and then they go, ha, ha, ha. But, you know, there's something funny to eat anyway. But the other fact is, okay, it, as soon as you said that, I had four thoughts and I can remember two of them. Oh. One of them is that in Norway, I think they have actual laugh doctors because oh, laughter is so medicinal. And mm-hmm. I have read many, several times, I will say, not to say the many, many, which is so Jupiterian, I want to expand it really big. But I have read it numerous times that the mind doesn't know the difference between ex- one ex- like if you watch television, terrible things, you know, horrible things, your mind doesn't know real- the truth of whether that happened or not. Well, it's the same thing with laughter. It doesn't know true laughter from other laughter. I know that there was a time when I had own oh, different issues and it seemed like I'd forgotten to laugh. So I told I just went, ha, ha, ha. Even doing it makes me laugh now. It's like so stupid that you want to laugh. But or it's not awesome. look- yeah, but eventually I start. you'd start laughing more. Uh-huh. Yeah, so laughter is really good. It is so good for you, and especially if you breathe deeply into your belly and laugh from the diaphragm, laugh deep, you know, laugh deeply and do whatever yeah. you can. And we all need that these days very much anyway because of all the sad, horrible things that are happening in the world. So as much as we can do... Um, and that's another thing about Vesta and conjunct Venus is creativity. So, yes, if we can bring more breath in and more deep breathing and more laughter, and also if we can be more creative, those are things that can really lighten our hearts at these times. And so I, every, I encourage everyone to um, pick up a new talent or skill or you know or even if doodle you, just if, doodle exactly <laughs> if you love to Doesn't draw have to be huge or or exactly. maybe cut paper things out and make designs or, or whatever. But you know what I'm thinking about the chart? Yeah, it is. Is that how beautiful the chart, more I see astrology, and of course one realizes that the message comes through in many, many ways. Because we have it, it, it without the tendency just to focus on one thing. Like here we're talking about Vesta and Venus. So immediately in the horoscope, it's not that how they're um, uh, useful, I mean, in aspects. But the fact is, is that, um, I'm trying to think here, we we were talking about, oh boy, that point, then all of a sudden I lose my next point. Sue, uh, because we're talking about, oh, breath and heart. The 
because Sun in Virgo, I wouldn't have thought of this, but I'm beginning to realize if Virgo, I'm putting like logic together. If this Uh and this and this is true, then that is true. You don't like how logic does. But if A is B and and then anyway, A is C. Well, and B is C, then A is C. Anyway, so uh, if Virgo is ruled by Mercury, which has to do with air, and, and lung and lungs and breath, yes, right, and and Virgo is also the body. It's an earth sign, so it's our temple, and it wants mm-hmm. health. You know, it's the opposite of Pisces. It's in that access, and that's one way. To also, look at astrology, where it's the forces unknown, the collective, all the universe, but in that everything is perfect. And then you look at Virgo, which is the opposite, the sixth house going into this upper hemisphere but it's saying well yeah but if you leave it all alone you know leaves fall and it decays and houses fall apart you have to repair things you have to fix things and and it's also you know what aspect of it so it's saying too to be uh, well it doesn't go with the but it but it goes along with breath like in the temple of the body breathe deep I mean, I'm thinking that's a totally great message that Virgo's also wanting, possibly in those two. Well, we will be right back with Wendy Wyrot. And tonight is September 19, Talk Cosmos with. And we'll get to Mercury and Jupiter next. We'll see you back. Okay. Stay tuned. While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the yin period of Virgo. By leaving a cycle based on the creative manifested legacy of our highest creative form, the energy of Virgo completes the last sign below the horizon of the self and requires discernment to perfect oneself through the mental process of critical analysis. As a mutable earth sign duly ruled by Mercury, Virgo refines heals, or fixes through daily routines, developing skills and services to control nature's chaos and maximize efficiency. Hello, this is Wendy Wyrot, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, where we unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconscious. Bored with the other stations, hammering away on the same old talking points? Try Alternative Talk 1150 and get some variety. What a wonderful coincidence. You know, we have that rotating uh, little uh, commentary from all the different guests that have occurred. And of course, Wendy's been on before. If you go to Talk Cosmos and look at the guests, she's been on in 2018 and 2019 because you can look at all the schedules. And I am in the process, not this month or next, but updating that website. But it, it has a lot there. Well, Wendy and Wendy Riot is the angelic astro- astrologer. I was just looking at my notes. Yes, angelic astrologer Wendy Wyrot has returned with me tonight. Let's talk about the mythology of Mercury and 
Jupiter because Mercury is the closest planet to the sun, as we know. Jupiter is the largest. It, we can put all the planets in together. It's an enormous planet, and it's shining so brightly now in the sky all for a long time. It's beautiful, and you can see Saturn up there, too, a little more dimly. But And in Greek mythology, I will just explain to people, briefly saying that Mercury is also known as Hermes in the Greek uh, the Romans uh, moved it over to Mercury. And Jupiter, the king of the gods, was also known as Zeus in Greek mythology. And again, mythology is one way of encapsulating many concept, concepts of stories that have signification and I love not just hearing the story, but later piecing them together as how they apply. So, Wendy, do tell the story. There's many stories, but there's one that I just love how you tell it. Well, the thank you, Sue. <laughs> so, um, we'll tell the story of Mercury and how he came to be the god of thieves and tricksters, but also the god of heralds and... Um, the god of liminal spaces, the spaces in between regular, regular everyday spaces. And so when Mercury was born, he was a very um, precocious child. <laughs> <laughs> and he, when he was one day old, he mischievously got up and he stole a whole herd of cattle from his brother Apollo, the sun god. And he was so clever. Some stories say he drove the cattle backwards so their footprints appeared like they were going a different way. Other stories say that he put boots on the cattle. And other stories say that he put brooms on the cattle's tails so that it would sweep away their tracks. And um, then he um, created a beautiful, he saw a tortoise shell. And he created the first lyre or lyre. I really don't know how to pronounce it, but he strung it with seven strings, which lyre. Lyre. Okay. Yeah. And the seven strings represent the seven classical planets. And he strung it with the seven strings, which are also the seven notes and also the seven days of the week. He strung the lyre. And then along came Apollo, his brother, his big brother. And Apollo was really mad. And he, 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 um, a, a, a man, old man that gossiped a little bit had told Apollo, well, I saw this young child driving the cattle that way. So Apollo came to the cave of Maya, the god, the, um, nymph who was the mother of Mercury. And Mercury's father, by the way, was Zeus, the king of the gods. And Apollo's father, the set was Zeus also. So Apollo comes to the cave and Mercury has already cuddled back down in his cradle and covered himself up with a blanket and he's blinking very innocently and he's turning his eyes this way and that. And Apollo goes, I know you took the cattle. And Mercury goes, what are you talking about? I don't, I'm just a little baby. I don't even know what cattle are. And Apollo goes, look, dude. And so he, he took Mercury up to, to Mount Olympus, where the gods reigned, the immortal gods and goddesses. And he took Mercury in front of Zeus and said, Father, um, 
Mercury has, or Hermes, has stolen my cattle, and I need this to be made right. This is super uncool. And so Zeus says, said to Mercury, is it true? And, of course, Mercury could not lie to the very powerful father Zeus, and he confessed and said, it is true. Well, Zeus wanted harmony and for the gods to get along, at least for this time. And he said, look, you two brothers, you need to make up. I don't care what you have to do, but I want you two to make it right and to be friends. It's important to me. And so they were trying to figure out how to do that. And then Mercury took up his lyre and he was playing and singing beautifully. And Apollo was enthralled. And Apollo's the god of music, and and he was, like, really jonesing for that lyre. And he said, well, Mercury, well, Hermes, if you give me um, that lyre, you can keep the cattle. And Mercury goes, okay, that sounds really good. And he gave Apollo the lyre, and Apollo was just thrilled. And then Mercury had also invented a special type of pipe, a shepherd's musical pipe. And he started playing that, and Apollo said... Mercury, I want that pipe. That's so cool. How about I give you this catasis? It's this sacred staff with snakes wrapped around it. And it's the staff of a herald. And it's magical. You can travel anywhere, even into the other world, even into the land of the dead, the the land Hades. And Mercury said, well, it's kind of a nice staff, but you know, I, I, I don't know if it'd be enough to convince me to give you this pipe. And he says, you know, Apollo, I'd really like to learn the secrets of divination. I'd really like to learn how to take omens from the bird song and the, the flight and movements of birds and the calls of birds. And I'd also like to learn how to take omens from stones. And Apollo said, hmm, but you're really not really no one but Zeus and I are supposed to be oracles or or do divination and mercury said well i really like this pipe i don't think i would give it up without learning the divination techniques and without that really nice staff it does look nice but neither of them are alone are enough for me to turn over this pipe so apollo gave in and he goes okay so he taught mercury how to do divination by birds and with stones and he gave him this staff the herald staff the sacred magical staff and so zeus said you know you're so smart mercury and wily and present-minded and i want to make you my herald i want to make you my communicator between me and humanity i want to make you the person that helps souls cross over after they die um and you need you definitely need the staff to do that so um Hermes and Apollo even though they had kind of a meet cute where they were mad at each other at first ended up becoming the very best of friends and the very close brothers and you can look up in the sky today and Mercury when it's visible is never very far from the sun Mercury and the sun are always close together in the sky and that reflects the closeness of the two brothers and so Mercury became the god of thieves, the god of bargaining and merchants, because he was really good at driving a hard bargain. He became the god, the god of of um, the liminal spaces, the places where where it's not one place and it's not another place, because he could take 
he could take souls across the veil to their afterlife. And he became the god of divination with the sounds of the birds and the stones and the god of shepherds because he he really enjoyed shepherding those cattle in between tricking people. And that's how Mercury came to be the herald and a very powerful god. The that- end. You really understand telling a story. A Cancerian person is just really positive. You know, what I love, a couple of points, it's so true. Luminous areas, it's a transition because Mercury, the planet, is only 28 degrees. It's always the closest. It's very close to the sun physically. And in astrology, the degrees as the cycles, it's always 28 degrees from the sun's position, no matter what sign it in, it never gets any further than that. So they have that close proximity. And when I think about Gemini, which Merc, which Hermes, one of the signs it rules, of course, and right now our North notice in, those are also brothers, Castor and Pollux, Castor the mortal, Pollux the immortal, Castor finally died. And then in that story, they were so grieved that Zeus said, you can be together. And it's that communication between matter and spirit that, again, translates to like Hades that is in... um, uh, there's something going out outside, but you can't hear that here. Anyway, I'm in Seattle, Washington. Yeah, I was just distracted. Like, what's going on? Um, so it's almost like that. It's like underground. Like, but 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 yes, that business of the brothers. And I'm thinking now, as that message, like that's the problem. This story is so perfect because people don't know each other and can do things take things from each other, not recognizing totally how much it means to them. But a friendship gets established through A, communication, and B, exchanging and giving to each other what one needs and values. And I'm thinking, what a perfect story and a perfect time for the sun in Virgo to be squaring these nodes where the rulers, these guideposts, of these two planets with this great wisdom are telling us in their story, this is how they began. And they offered beautiful gifts that empowered both in a fantastic way of, of, of linking spirit and matter, you know, through divination of stones, which is the physical like Virgo and the birds like Gemini, which are up high, you know, often thought of as a mental way and song, which everything is vibrational as it is anyway. That's a whole world. Yeah, uh, like we can't we can't sing without air, right? I mean, Mercury no. is about communication, and and Gemini is about. I mean, Gemini is about communication and about air. Yeah, breathe. yes, yes, so true, and really to recognize that there are many signs like just thinking of the stones of divination that again this idea that messages come to us through other sources you know there's a world here where through our experience of can provide 
more than meets the eye, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Like there's wonderful synchronicities that can bring meaning to all of us. Like the story of Carl Jung, he was treating a patient and the patient was telling a story about an Egyptian scarab. And all of a sudden they hear a knock. This is a true story. All of a sudden they hear a knocking at the window and he opens the window and a a beetle that looks exactly like a scarab comes oh. in the window and they're not in Egypt, you know, and how often do you get a scarab knocking at the window? And it's just amazing. These beautiful synchronicities that can happen, that can bring us messages and bring us hope. Indeed. Absolutely. Uh, this is all glad to have you bring that, make that significant too. That is yes. So this really and the and I love, I I never know quite how to say the caduceus, but that is so amazing too. The eternal, the two snakes with the heads, kind of like also the nodes, the south and the north node of the snakes. You know this ever like the aurora boris going around the earth, where it's that continuous cycle that life never ends. This idea of eternal eternity is just one phase out in the next beginning on so many levels. So many messages. Yes, absolutely. Just like the tides, right? One tide comes out and then the tide comes back in and there's so many beautiful cycles. Um, Just like the balance, the balance of time at the equinox where, um, you know, up, up here, and in the southern hemisphere on at the time of the equinox there'll be equal night and day and then up here in the northern hemisphere our days daylight will start to reduce but in the southern hemisphere their their daylight will start start to expand so it's there's sort of a really interesting beautiful balance there and the word equinox even means equal nights and the beginning of the fall equinox is when the sun enters zero degrees Libra, and Libra is the sign of the the scales, the balance. Yes, the balance it of is. Night day. It is. It's the only sign that doesn't have a person or animal of some significance. It's an inanimate. You could mm-hmm. think of the scales, although there's some history about that too. I wanted to go one back though about that lyre of the tortoise shell, which could be signified of Gaia or Earth because in very old uh, mythologies, it, I mean, the tortoise is such an ancient, ancient it's a, animal that it's significant significant of that but there's seven chakras in our bodies and i wondered i love how you brought the notes and the planets but i was thinking we also have seven chakras and the old man i wonder if that could have been saturn you never know because saturn would want people to get caught saturn wants people yes, to accountability yeah. exactly saturn wants people to be responsible for what they've done so yeah. absolutely it could have been Saturn. <laughs> Consequences. It's right. So there's just so much more. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, the equinox is so important to bring because we are in this trans, uh, transcendental time, this transition time, which is the perfect part. Because another part of that transition, you, you're just often unable to even see Mercury because it's so close to the sun because it never does go very far that you own that you, you the sun's beams as they call it uh uh blind you to to mercury so it's only during dusk and dawn 
that you're able to see it. And then the northern hemispheres are far away from the equator. That can be a long period of time. But as you get closer to the equator, boy, that sun just drops immediately and you really don't have time to see anything. So it's witnessing Mercury in the sky is only a certain portion of the time it connected, you know, to either sunset or, or dawn. Absolutely. And that's a perfect point because Mercury is the god of liminal times and the sunset and sunrise are liminal times. They're times when we're changing from day to night or night to day. So it's another way that shows how Mercury is the god of the the thin places, the the mysterious places, the times of change. And I think with the stones, we were bringing this up because I've also read that it was bricks. Like we're talking pre-Greek, back around Babylonian, Sumerian, and probably before that. But they, we only know words since Samaria because that's when writing was actually first started. And although there's other cultures that began it somewhat around, but Samaria, from what we know, is the first one. That's between the Euphrates and the uh, Tigris rivers there in the Middle East, Mm -hmm. sacred area. And uh, so bricks, because it's often related to bricks, Mercury, it was like you were pointing out that because they were boundaries or or spots, they were like, like, because Mercury is transportation, and it would show that that there was a the boundary of where the between the city and the the village, right? Go ahead, you, you tell there, it so well. There's there are stones. There are large stones that were placed at the edge of a village. The boundary between civilization and the wild, or the boundary between the the land, the place of humanity, and then the place of the animals and wildness. So, the the Herms were sacred to Hermes, but and these boundary stones were put right at the liminal space between you know civilization and the wild, and they were sacred stones. Yes, I really fascinates and i love that i know that in greek times with this tremendous flowering of philosophical pursuits but realizing at the ancient times what a struggle to leave the world of i mean the difficulties involved in in daily life gathering your needs and protecting yourself and living with the wild which i believe is so necessary but there it was so dangerous and so and and i can understand can accept because it bothers me that with the greeks that the consciousness evolved at that point where they separated their mythology from animal with man all the mythology of the greeks were people they didn't incorporate the animal which had been with egypt and babylonia and the others because i think they need and so this business of the herms are you know the these sacred mm-hmm. rocks that dif- differentiated uh the spaces of protection and, but one can realize that at any given time tools or usage of how we operate and for survival need different techniques. And so our consciousness is raising all the time. It's a, 
hopefully incorporating and re-embracing. That's what's so important now is embracing nature again, not fighting it, not thinking we're so separate from it, I think. You're so right. Um, in certain religions, they said that mankind was given dominion over the animals. And personally, I don't like that phrase so much. I think it would be great if we can be co-creating and cooperating with all the other living beings yes. and respecting, respecting like, them as, as all our relations. Yeah, like Hermes and Zeus. <laughs> Get along. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy the cows. Get be be one group. I will yeah. say yes. Next week we have the Moonbeam team, and it'll be Liz Machette and Sarah Stromley, and we'll be talking about again the new moons and the full moons for the month. And tonight I'm with angelic astrologer Wendy Wyrot. W Y W. R-O-T, Wyrot.com. Go to Talk Cosmos and you'll find out. And tonight is September 19. We just had the Virgo new moon and we're liminally on a grander scale approaching this equinox of the Libra zero point. And it's really uh, one of the four uh, cardinal points, of directional points. You know, we have the two solstices and the two equinoxes that really make up how we have our horoscope. Gemini Brett is fabulous in describing this, and both Wendy and I are students of, of mm -hmm. Gemini. He's brilliant. Yes, and, and with that said, I will say again that tonight we're talking about a Virgo Sagittarius moment because the moon's in Sagittarius. It's reflecting that Virgo light at a, in a Sagittarius way. So here we are expanding on our belief structures. We're thinking about what has been passed because of the South Node with Sag, and we're moving forward into the new connections of Gemini and the new information to try to expand and and purify or I don't know about yeah I guess we could say purify strengthen and make more true our belief systems yes yes beautiful <laughs> and um we're 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 um we're we're coming from a south node in sag which is an old way of being where people can sometimes be very dogmatic or um judgmental and cling to their ideas and we're hoping that humanity um, the the point we are all trying to uh, evolve toward is the North Node in Gemini, which is about true communication, truly listening to one another and trying to see each other's point of view and finding uh, middle ground and ways to communicate and compromise. Well, I really appreciate this. And when you say true, I think that's sort of an integration of the whole chart because there's other aspects, because as we know, Gemini... All signs have their well, light and shadow, just like the equinox. And that's how we see anything. Form is created through the contrast. So, of course, it does because uh, communication can be tricky. And, and it is important to bring in that heart and soul. Now, yep. Wendy, we have about half a minute here. We can kind of finish up. That doesn't mean we have to hang up with this beautiful music. But, yeah, so bringing in that heart and soul of real value oh that really, yeah. and the deep breathing the deep breathing oh, yes. and <gasps> loving and cherishing ourselves <laughs> loving and and you know trying to validate and be authentic to ourselves yes so we can 
really enjoy the relationships. All of life is a relationship with ourselves, with the world, with animals, with um, spirit. Absolutely. That's it's such a pleasure, Wendy. Well, Wendy Riot and Abby. Yes, we'll be back again sometime. It always seems, well, it won't be so long. We will connect yeah. on every date. So Sounds blessings great. to you in Palm Springs. Blessings. <laughs> Thank you. Blessings to everybody in the Northwest. Thank you. And we love all of you listening. And Absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for listening. With all your actions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Good night. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.